Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because yep, we're We're going going there. Coming at you from the couch. Coming at you back from a classic couch session. Guys, we really should never try to... Record at night? No. We have this great studio now and we're like, don't you miss the old days when we're just like in our sweats recording at our house. And then I remember there's so many distractions when we're home. Yeah, we end up talking for like two hours and then we're like, oh, we should probably record. Mm -hmm. It's 10 p.m. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, shoot. We're so tired. Also, we did not think about doing this the Monday after daylight savings time change because I'm struggling. In fact, I need to yawn. Oh, goodness. Do you know the author Malcolm Gladwell? Have you ever read any of his books? Okay. I went through an obsession. I actually like have a lot of his books if you ever want to borrow. But we know Christian doesn't really read for fun. There is one and I can't remember what it is called now, but it's basically, see, you're yawning. yawning. How things catch on. And so one of the chapters Why was about are yawns yawning. Con- They're contagious. truly contagious. Why, Why is that? The tipping point. That was the name of the book. Like what causes something to become this trend? And it was talking about yawning. And like the chapter of the book is like, think of a yawn. I bet as you're hearing the word yawn in your head as you're reading this word, you're yawning. I remember I was in my high school English class and I look around and everyone's yawning. You see it ricochet through the room. Guys, if you are listening to this right now and you're yawning, yawning. you got to let us know because it's actually so creepy. Why is that though? I mean, I guess the tipping point, like what is his thought? I don't remember that part, but we'll look it up after. If someone can explain to us why yawning is contagious, like I'm about to yawn again. Yeah, why is that? Is everything we do contagious? If I see you eat a piece of pizza, do I want to eat a piece of pizza? A yawn being contagious is literally like, I'm not choosing to yawn. Like I look at you and you're yawning, so I yawn. It's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, well, we are It's late at night and here we are. Yeah. Late at night. Are you good? How's life? Good. Yeah, good. I mean, I'm like (laughs) kind of overwhelmed. I was going to say that's like one of those memes where it's like, I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine fine as you're like dying or something. No, genuinely very overwhelmed with life. But it's also just a season. And I feel like, I hope it's wisdom. I hope it's the Holy Spirit in me. But I'm like, I feel like I get into these and like the older I've gotten and just, I don't know. Again, I hope it's the Holy Spirit. But I'm like, okay, it is a season. Like I can bear this for a season. And like, I'm obviously going to grow and change from it. But it's a lot right now. It just feels like a lot. But it's okay. A lot of fun. Thanks. How are you? We need to do an update podcast soon. But no, I'm good. I don't feel like I'm in an overwhelmed season. I think I'm coming out of that or still almost even like recovering from like last summer of that. I feel like I'm gearing up for like a busy season. We've kind of gotten into the habit of, I say we like our family and your family Mm -hmm. of like not doing a ton. And we have a lot coming up. As a unit, our family. Our families. We've just both consciously tried to make decisions over this last year of slowing down. And so I feel like I'm going into a season where my calendar is busier. So I'm trying to like be wise about how I prep for that. You know, I like pack very last minute. That probably won't change. But like thinking through preparations. You do pack so last minute. It stresses me out, honestly. I'm not a huge pre-packer, but it stresses me out. Also, side note, just for all those people, because I keep getting whiffs of it and we were just 
just talking about this. We oh. just drank this delicious cinnamon tea, and mm-hmm. apparently everyone knows about this, and I don't. Yeah, let me look up what the brand is. But, like, is. let's just make sure everyone knows, because I feel like it'd be a disservice to you all listening Keep if talking, you didn't I'm know the up. type of tea. But they come in these beautiful bags, and it's like a beautiful can, like an aesthetically pleasing tea can. Guys, no. So it's, you could, like, set it out Target on your counter. Target cinnamon tea, if you know, you know. Like, I'm going to look up the brand, but if you know NYK, right now. NYK, Yeah. You know? Yeah. If you know, you know. But we will make sure. I'm serious. I'm going to start sharing it with everyone because I love it. But Samantha and I were talking about our love of big red gum. If you also have that love, I hope you share. Because you know the experience when someone walks by and you get a whiff of the cinnamon. And I keep getting that as we drink our tea. It is the Harney and Sons, not Harry and Sons, Harney and Sons Hot Cinnamon Sunset Tea. It comes in like an orange tint. Uh huh. Also, the peppermint one from that brand is good, but I've only ever found it at Target. And as I'm looking it up right now, I only see it being sold at Target. So <gasps> you only have three more bags. I took like it one is of the a last Target exclusive, I guess. Well, it's really yummy, guys. If you want some tea, we were just talking about that. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, y'all are like, get to the point. We're not just talking no. about tea. We're supposed to be chatting about life in the beginning of these episodes. Yes. Here we are. Okay, so we'll link the tea. I know you all are dying. We are talking about forgiveness, and that can just feel like a weighty subject, honestly, for 10 o'clock at night. I was trying to think about if in my life there was ever like a specific occurrence. Like, I think we all have like little times where we've had to forgive someone, or I mean, a whole nother episode would be like asking someone to forgive us, and that could be part two of this, possibly. But it's really a lot harder to give someone forgiveness than we think it is. Or to say that we forgive someone and then genuinely in our heart do that. So that's what we're going to be discussing today. Yeah, I think it's a hard subject because as I was even just preparing and thinking through this, I was like, gosh, I don't really have a problem with forgiveness because mainly all those little things came up. And then I was thinking about bigger things that I've really had to work through. I mean, to be honest, which we're all about honesty here. I mean, my husband and I have gone to counseling and for a while, just sorting through a lot of forgiveness. And like, I'm someone I know this about myself, but I can like house a lot of bitterness in not forgiving people. I think it's for sure, obviously, a lot of pride, a lot of self-righteousness in me. And so I've really had to work on that. But I can think of like two scenarios in my life that these situations have almost been harder because the forgiveness is ongoing and the forgiveness is deeply rooted in a lot of dynamics of my life. Mm -hmm. And so it's just something that I have to constantly work through different parts of the whole story or dynamic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I was sitting there thinking about it. I am scared to say this now because, I mean, I know God doesn't work this way, but I was going to say, I think I forgive pretty easily you're smiling at me. I know that sounds weird after you were just being vulnerable saying no, how you don't. Good. I do think I do, but now I feel like there's going to be some kind of situation thrown into my life where I'm going to like really struggle forgiving or something. But again, when we get into, okay, is it possible to forgive and forget? Should we forgive and forget? What does the Bible say about that? What does it mean to truly forgive in our heart? There's so much to unpack in it. So that's why we wanted to bring this conversation up. And I will say maybe I'm misjudging this, but I do think it might be more more common with women that we can kind of hold on to feelings or that we just struggle more. Actually, I'm saying that. And now that I think about it, I guess in my marriage, a lot of times I'm really quick to apologize and then move on. And same with Justin. Like if he apologizes, I can kind of like breeze on with the rest of my day. And Justin is someone who takes a little bit longer to like get back into the rhythm we had. And that always frustrates me of like, come on, like I said, sorry, move on. And he's like, okay, well, I'm still bummed that you yelled at me or whatever. 
maybe that it is just more personality. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some of it for sure is personality. I think even as you say that, I laugh because right. I'm like, oh, shoot, Justin and I are really similar kind of in that way. Because I'm like, I do think I, I struggle between... I tell him he holds grudges a lot. Wouldn't even describe it as holding a grudge. It takes me a while. You know me. We're obviously good friends. And I process a lot. And I really have to battle this. I'm an external processor. So like, is it appropriate to externally process about things? So then if it's not appropriate to externally process it, then I'm in my head processing it. And I think my processing looks like obviously praying a lot, thinking through it from different perspectives. And like, obviously, if someone has hurt me in a situation, thinking through what did I say? Where was I coming from and how I said it? What did they say or what were they trying to communicate or what was their perspective? And so I really have to think through all that stuff. So that example of you saying, well, like I said, sorry, let's move on. Mm -hmm. I'm for sure not necessarily like that, not because I'm not forgiving the person right in the moment, but I'm like, it takes me a second to like think through Mm -hmm. that fully and then be like, yes, I can like put that away. And I hate to admit it, but like there have for sure been times in my life and even things now kind of like I'm describing, which like wouldn't be appropriate to share, but just like dynamics of situations where the depths of how these things come up in really hard realities of my life are dynamic, kind of like forgiveness after forgiveness after forgiveness or like all these different things that are just probably going to be like ongoing for a long time. Those are the things that I'm like, I think it's appropriate to take the time. You kind of wanted to flush out like you hear all the time and it's a very normal sentiment to hear like forgive and forget. And you kind of say it flippantly and you're like, what do you actually mean by that? Is that something we should do? What does that even actually mean? And so we kind of wanted to dive into it. Yeah. Like, what is that? To get started, before we jump into what the Bible has to say about it, I was listening to a podcast about the psychologist who decided that... You're always bringing us the psychologist vibes or like side of things. I love it. Because I love to give... You love to learn how the mind works. I also love to give a perspective that isn't just from the Bible because we have a lot of girls that listen who aren't really interested in hearing what the Bible says right now. But I also like to say like, hey, on top of what we believe is complete truth, which is the Bible, actually science backs this too. So if that's something that floats more your boat, here it is. So this psychologist actually years ago when he was going into his area of study was trying to research some stuff on forgiveness and actually found that there was no research on it because for a long time, the world of psychology and just all of that would not consider forgiveness is something that was part of how the brain operates, but more of a feeling, an emotion, and too like fluffy for psychology. And he realized, actually, no, I think there's a lot more to it because I see that the way that we choose to forgive or the opposite of that, if we hold on to resentment and bitterness, it actually can internally like then fester into external consequences on our body, on our minds. And so That launched him into this whole lifelong career of studying the art of forgiveness. And I think this is a good time to say it now. When we're talking about forgiveness, we recognize and we can kind of continue to remind each other and you guys of this too, that we're not just talking about a little tip you had with your girlfriend down the road and like you needed to forgive her. We understand that some of you have people or situations in your life that are deeply painful and that maybe you haven't felt like you've been able to forgive certain people for doing like really bad injustices. And so we want to be sensitive to that too. And the psychologist, those are the people that he studied. I mean, he had people from children who were adults now and who had survived genocides. He had some children who had gone through horrible, horrific sexual assault situations in their childhood and now we're adults and like we're grappling with it. So he was studying forgiveness from this really deep level. And he basically found that 
it has to happen for you to be able to live a fully functioning life and use all aspects of your emotions and your brain. Because if you don't forgive, you're basically stuck in this grieving process, which is like someone did something wrong to me. It's kind of the feeling you get when you've had something happen and you know you're just not going to be able to let it go. Like maybe you're still thinking about it weeks later, months later. It wasn't even a big thing, but I literally would be reminded of it way too long after. And it just eats at you. You know, you're losing sleep. You can't shut your brain off from it. You're not able to like interact with that person, even if you're trying to like fake it. I mean, we've all been there too, where you like act like you're not mad at a person it really consumes your whole life. And so people that aren't able to forgive, and again, we're not talking right now about reconciling or forgetting, quote unquote, really cling on to these things. And it's manifested in so many different ways with anxiety or just like you're losing physical sleep or yeah, just so many ways. And so then going on to true forgiveness and trying forgiveness, it allows you to let go of resentment and it allows you to offer some sort of kindness, whether you reconcile with the person or not. Yeah, I mean, even as you're talking, I'm praying for the person who, like, this does feel really sensitive because you've walked through something so hard and deep and, like, the depths of those wounds. I hope you hear, like, sensitivity in that, that, like, we don't act to know those things. We don't act to know those situations. But I sit there and, like, I can think about the times that I have had to really work through forgiveness. It's literally like a weight physically lifted off of even just like your mind being consumed by thinking about this person or the situation or this injustice that happened, that feeling of genuinely saying like, I forgive that. I forgive that situation. I forgive that person. I'm going to move forward in the best. And I'm going to move forward in saying like, that was not right. But like, I forgive you for doing something so incredibly wrong. Even as I say it, like in a cheesy way, I get emotional because I'm like, that is the gospel. If you can't move forward and say like, no, I forgive you after doing this awful wrong. That's literally exactly what Jesus has offered us in the cross. That's a beautiful picture of what we get to be a part of when we can forgive someone for saying, you are not right. You are actually very, very wrong. And this hurt me deeply and it has caused wounds. But like, I'm choosing to love you. I'm choosing to move forward in saying, but I can move forward. And I'm thinking of all these situations. And again, I hope you hear our sincerity in saying that that could be really hard. And we don't at all want to like shy away from thinking or considering that. I wanted to dive into that more. I think obviously the gospel of Jesus came to earth as a man. God sent his son to come and reconcile our sins for us. And he did that by dying on the cross. When you can understand that ultimately Jesus, he forgave all the people who had done him wrong, who had killed him, put him on that cross. The more we can understand that kind of forgiveness and what that means for our sins, that he truly does not see our sin as sinful anymore. Like the second we repent of them, I feel like in my own personal faith, the more I've grown in my depth of understanding in that, the more I'm able to lavishly offer forgiveness to people who are probably the last people that would deserve it even from me. Because it's not about deserving it. It's about offering that. And we want to talk about this more. Like if you are not forgiving someone you are really the only person that's suffering because you're holding on to so many bad feelings of resentment and bitterness. And again, before we get into like forgetting it or reconciling it, like you can still let go of that in a way. 
And I think it's important to talk about what does it truly look like when you forgive someone? The act of offering that up is also super humbling. And I think we as people, when someone has done a wrong to us, I mean, I'm even talking about like the very petty thing. When someone has done something, but I'm like, hey, that really hurt my feelings. And they're like, oh my goodness, I am so sorry. Like right away, I have done that for someone and they're like, hey, I want to come to you because this really hurt my feelings. And as soon as I'm like, I am so sorry, like that is super humbling to me. That is super, I am brought down to this place. Oh my goodness, I didn't mean to do that. Or I'm so sorry I hurt you. That it brings you to also recognize like, no, I'm a flawed person. And so for me personally, as someone who maybe does deal with pride or self-righteousness, it's really good for me to practice being humbled because it's good for me to recognize, oh yeah, I'm not going to do the right thing all the time, or I may hurt people. And so I think we also need to think about it like that, because we are called to be humble people. And it's good for us to recognize that we are not going to do everything right and to be in that place to say and ask forgiveness. Yeah. Going into some scripture, there are so many verses that talk about forgiveness. And this point, again, we kind of gave our precursor of like, we want to be really sensitive to very deep situations. But we're just talking in general right now about how we as Christians are truly called to forgive. It is not an option. It is not a choice. We are commanded that you must forgive. And so Colossians 3.13 is one of the verses of many. And it says, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint with one another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And again, it's reminding us of that moment on the cross. It's like, God forgave you for your sins. He paid the ultimate price. Like we deserve death for our sin. And he forgave us, but you can't forgive the girl that probably is never going to even maybe tell you sorry for the mean things she said about you behind your back. Like, we can forgive. Now, I also love that the verse said we must forgive. Like, it doesn't say you probably should forgive. It doesn't say we highly suggest you forgive. It says, like, you must forgive. Yeah. Because, like, we are to be like Christ. God gave the ultimate sacrifice of his son for us as that. We are to emulate that in us too. Ephesians 4, 3 talks about making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And so making every effort for peace. You could probably like, if you've not even read your whole Bible, like you probably know those verses because they're very popular. And so I think we have to be people who see the importance of forgiveness and what that actually means as a follower of Christ. Something I think I hear in culture a lot is just this idea of, okay, well, I am not a person that forgives. So like you cross me, you're done. Like that's become this like noble personality trait for girls or anyone really like, okay, well, you're dead to me if you mess up one time. And I think we need to remember, especially in a world who thinks that we should get justice for every little thing. And sometimes we don't have to be the one to make sure another person pays for what they've done to us. And that's what we can do by offering extreme forgiveness in situations. It's I don't have to think that I'm going to like make you pay Mm -hmm. by never speaking to you again or keeping you from my life forever. I don't need to be the one to figure that out. I can offer you forgiveness and God is the ultimate one who's going to like bring justice. So I don't need to do that. And how often do we hear like, well, she doesn't deserve Mm -hmm. my forgiveness. And it's like, well, none of us even deserve to be alive. Honestly, I've (laughs) probably said that before. And it's so crazy. Oh, I have for sure said that before. And I actually believed it. Talking about a situation that is really hard when you know someone's like genuinely not sorry for what they did. You're like, no, she literally doesn't deserve it. That's probably my heart posture at times even still. But I'm like, no, no, no. Check myself. 
no, I'm called to forgive. And even if, again, we'll talk more about this, but even if the other person, like we don't have this reconciliation between us two as like a conversation where we're both coming to the table and apologizing, then like she still gets my forgiveness. Like I still offer that and I can still be, again, the person who is unable to forgive is really the only one being harmed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really easy to recognize when you're sitting in it and like totally consumed by not being able to forgive. Yeah. Share the story of the guy that we heard. Yeah. So Samantha and I were recently at If Gathering, and he is a pastor and an author. Him and his wife actually run a ministry called Africa New Life, and you can sponsor children for giving them life and resources in Africa. But his name is Charles Mugasha. He and his wife are missionaries and I think live in Africa now, but he... Grew up in Rwanda, moved away. Him and his wife actually met going to school here in the United States. They have since moved back. So we were at this conference. We heard his story. And Samantha and I were looking at each other. And we're like, wow, because we knew we were going to record this episode. And he shares a story about a program that they have started in his hometown. Rwanda, sadly, has gone through like multiple genocides. One in like 1950s that was really bad, really awful. Everyone knows we watched Hotel Rwanda in history. Yes. And it was like, I remember sobbing. Yeah, it was awful. I forgot about that movie. Really? And yeah. Oh, Alex and I, our friend Alex, she's like, did you ever watch? I'm like, That's yes. awful. Yes. And then they went through another genocide in like 1994. And super sad. I mean, at that time, I'm two years old. So yeah, this was the one we learned about in school. And it was just awful. I mean, I don't know how many people were killed, but lots. I think he said, oh, I want to look it up. But it was like in a hundred day span and it was hundreds of thousands of people killed. Yeah, it's horrific. And so he talked about when they moved back and began just to feel called to grow this church and talk about Jesus in this town and in these villages. He was just overcome by obviously the division in those areas that no village was succeeding because there was no cohesion or no one was synced up. No one was getting along. Businesses couldn't survive because no one was supporting. I mean, they are struck in with severe poverty. People just don't have resources because again, like no one's helping each other. Just imagine the like detriment to like hundreds of thousands of people dying. Can I jump in really quick? Yeah. So it was a hundred days and it was 500,000 to 662,000 oh. is the estimate. Think about 100 days. He talks about in this program that they began, they went into the prisons of these people. Obviously, people were charged with all of life sentences in prison. And keep for, in mind, this would be like your next door neighbor turning and being a part of this certain tribe that started killing. So these were your kids' teachers that started killing, the grocery store clerks down the road that you know. I mean, yep. these are people from your church. Oh, yeah. And this was so good because he talks about even like brothers and brothers. So all these people are now obviously sentenced to life in prison. And this program, somehow, I can't remember really all the details, but they saw all this division, no success anywhere, like no success in people's lives, in relationships, in any economic growth or health of this place. And they were just like, what are we going to do here? God is stronger than this. Like, how can we bring almost like revival to this area? And so they just start praying and they said, like, we've got to seek restoration in these relationships because like, what are we going to do? All of these communities, families, businesses are just broken apart. And so they decided to go into the prisons. And I don't know if they like brought them out. I don't know the dynamic, but somehow he paired up all of these families who had like lost loved ones sitting across the table from someone who had like murdered someone in their family. And he said, 
I think for like weeks and days, and now it's like a ministry that they do, that they began having conversations of forgiveness. And he said, to watch these families, I mean, it was a video, so like we got to see this, but if you guys can just imagine, he has tears in his eyes as he's explaining, watching the weight and the depth of someone who had killed someone's brother say like, I am so sorry. And this family genuinely saying like, I forgive you. I mean, talk about depths. Like I feel pathetic as I'm like, yeah, I can't forgive the girl who hurt my feelings. I mean, that's literally pathetic, but I'm just like, he then goes on to talk about that they have been having this ministry. I think it like started in right after like early 2000s. It was like 2003, I think I read on the bio or 2001 or somewhere around there. And since then, I mean, these villages have thrived because of this forgiveness and restoration and relationships. Obviously, like there are still tons of dynamics to work through there, but these communities and families and societies have been able to flourish because there's a base and a foundation of forgiveness. I'm butchering the whole story. I was going to say, we're not giving this man, this amazing man, like the credit for his story, but something else that was unique in that also the leader of the country at the time who kind of came in after the genocide Mm -hmm. chose certain people were able to be released from prisons that like were genuinely sorry. What happened, I think where we should go back, that actually set the tone from his leadership we could easily be like, well, there's justice system for a reason. They got away. These were people that like were truly so remorseful. I can't give you all the nuances of the situation other than like there was this amazing leader that, you know, stepped in and released these people and that set the tone in all these other villages for people to start having these restoration conversations. And he made a point to say like there was not reconciliation for a lot of these people, but there was restoration, forgiveness, a chance for you to be able to say like, I'm sorry, And for the families to accept that. We even see that in our country, like in court cases with really tragic killings where families will say, I forgive you for doing this. Have you seen videos of that? No, that's really sad. Yeah, it happens all the time of families just saying like, hey, we are going to forgive you for this. I mean, horrific. But I think that's a good part to remember too and kind of can launch us into this conversation of like, okay, you're sitting there thinking, I could never reconcile or this person's never going to say sorry or there will never be like restoration in a relationship. Can I still forgive? Hmm. And I think the answer is yes, because we'll wrap it up at the end by saying like forgetting doesn't have to mean that you're just going to lose memory of it ever happening. But I think the sentiment in that saying is saying like, you can forgive in a way that you can move on and have freedom from whatever feelings that you're holding on to in that. And so I don't necessarily believe that we can forget things. And there does have to be boundaries. And that's like what we kind of need to talk about now. Like, at what point do you say, okay, I want to forgive this person. I've tried to reconcile. Like, what does that look like? It's so interesting because I literally today, as we were recording, I brought some notes that I have just taken from honestly just counseling. (laughs) And it's been so amazing because I think for a long time, I thought that forgiveness from someone meant a very black and white, like I forgive them and I jump right back into what it looked like, or I don't forgive and it has to look really different. And I remember that my counselor, like I kept using the language, like what's loving or not loving? Like, is it more loving or is it more not loving? And I remember my counselor, he was just like, you need to stop thinking about it that way. He's like, the fact that you're already here working on this, seeking professional help, talking through these dynamics, that already actually means that you have a lot of love for this person. You're already working towards restoration in this. And like, you have forgiven these things. But again, because of how the situation is just woven in, 
you have to have boundaries. You have to have like safety precautions. And if that's like a physical safety or if that's a mental safety or if that's just like a dynamic in a family or a friendship, it is smart and wise to do that as humans. Mm -hmm. But it's hard. Yeah. And I wish we could like not even have to go into this and give this caveat because we hope you guys like here know our hearts that we're obviously not talking about you forgiving an abuser or a family member that's so emotionally manipulative and just say like, okay, you're forgiving, come over for dinner on Tuesday. Like that is not what we're saying. But I read this quote about forgiveness in a biblical sense. If you feel like you're hanging on to resentment and bitterness towards a person, that you should be actively fighting forgiveness in your heart. And I liked that because it's not something that maybe for these deeper situations, you could just be like, okay, Yeah, even if they don't say sorry, like, I forgive them. Like, it might be something that you have to really dig deep into, be praying over, asking God to help you. Like, I think we forget that sometimes. Like, Lord, will you help me forgive this person? Will you help me let go of some of the bitterness and resentment I'm holding on to? Because I know it's not serving any purpose of good. And so— Again, there are boundaries, there are circumstances that you will never be able to like block from your mind or get rid of, or there's people that it would not be wise for you to go back into relationship with. But I think that you can still in your heart offer forgiveness. It's always really good for me. I mean, I'm literally sharing things that are helpful for me, but it's really good for me to be reminded as I work through these things or as I actively forgive people to hope to even get that in return as well. In that genuine forgiveness looks like not having any bitterness, not having any anger, not thinking any bad thoughts about this person in the way that they may perceive something and not like seeking revenge in what their actions did to you, not hoping that that comes back to them, not being like, well, karma is going to meet you one day. And I think like it is really humbling to me when I think about that. And I'm like, you know what? God created them. Like God created them and loves them just as much as he loves me. Like there's no differences between me and her. Like I'm not better and she's not worse. We're actually both equally loved. And I think that's what's so interesting and like amazing about God and just like the relationship he has with his children is that he chooses to not identify us with our sins, that he forgives time and time again. I mean, even if you like spend any time in the Old Testament, I think it's so easy for us to be like, these people are idiots. Like, how do they not see it? They're making mistake after mistake. And I'm like, no, guys, we're the idiots. Like, we continue to make mistakes and we continue to follow idols. Like, we all, all of the, are yes, the idiots. All, we <laughs> all are the idiots. But I'm like, and we even are on the other side of the story. Like, we even get to read about Jesus walking on earth. And I mean, that's insane to me. But I'm like, it's so good for me to remember, like, no, God, like, forgives and then chooses to forgive and then chooses to forgive and forgive and forgive. And he doesn't identify us as people who are sinners and sin time and time again. He says, like, I'm wiping your slate clean. You are pure. Come to me. You are inheriting my kingdom. You're inheriting all that I am as an heir of my throne. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, like, it's good for me to remember, like, these people are created by God in His image and are bearers of Christ just like I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just thought about one thing that happened actually this afternoon. I told you when you got here, Christian, that it had been a rough day with my five-year-old. And I was having to like use some pretty intense discipline that I haven't had to, you know, time out really, really intense over and over for a long period of time. And when my daughter, you know, she's five now and she like frequently apologizes before we even have to ask her to. And that's been something really cool to see in growth of like, 
oh, her heart wants to say sorry or whatever. And she's such a rule follower. She's such like an oldest kid. A lot of myself, I see in her this like little perfectionistic spirit. And so that sometimes makes me sad and a little worried. But she came up to me today and she started this thing when she does get in trouble where she goes into this, no one loves me. I'm a bad kid. Emerson is like a very emotionally mature five-year-old. She processes a lot. And so I'm such a bad kid. Like, I can't believe I did this. This is what she starts doing after, you know, she said, sorry, I've told her it's okay. And something that my dad used to say to me over and over, and I love it, and I'll always carry it into parenting, to get down on her eye level and look at her in the eyes and say, there is nothing that you can ever do to make me stop loving you. I don't care what you said sorry and I forgave you and we can forget about it. Let's enjoy the rest of our night. And obviously like I'm a human, I'm sitting here right now. I remember that I had a really rough afternoon with her, but to be able to like let her know, I remember feeling so loved by my dad of like, no, I genuinely believe like I could do anything and you'd still be there for me. And if we have that glimpse from an earthly parent, imagine the way that like our father thinks of us when we come to him with sin there's nothing you could do. I've already paid the price on the cross. There's literally nothing you could do to make me stop loving you. And I just think that's a really cool picture. Wait, that's beautiful. That's really, really sweet. I mean, I love that because what a perfect picture of how he loves his children. And like, as image bearers for him, we get to be the people like, I mean, I think that's another thing like we should think about forgiveness as something like an opportunity that we get to give because we already receive. How amazing is that? And so let's be people who are not generous with gossip or generous with slander. Let's be generous people with forgiving because we have lots to forgive because we have been forgiven much. Yeah. And I just think that's so good and often lost. Yeah. So the last thing I'll say, give people the opportunity to seek forgiveness because I feel like a lot of times in my adult life recently, people have confronted me, like you said earlier, with things that I had done that had hurt them and maybe I didn't know I had hurt them. Mm -hmm. And it happens in my marriage, it's happened in friendships. Bring that to people and give them the opportunity to seek forgiveness because so much healing is done when that happens. I love that. Some of my like deepest and greatest friendships are people who will say, hey, will you forgive me yeah. for doing that? And it's a really sweet reminder of like humility mm -hmm. and putting others before yourself yeah. and saying like, is there even an ounce of where I hurt you? Yeah. And can you forgive me in that? Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.